and you are listening to Dream Infringement. This is Jennifer Dreadnought Woodside, along with my co-hosts and longtime friends, Emily Colossus Castillo and Bobby Behemoth Castillo, who are not only co-hosts on the show, but co-hosts in life. So, words... Words, big words of big things have been used to describe our theme. Words like giant, giant goliath, goliath, jumbo, jumbo leviathan, titan, titan, mastodon, all synonyms for the Latin elephantis. Yes, elephants. The theme is elephants. Because I heard a really cool story about an elephant, and I started thinking about elephants really hard, and I wanted to take a more in-depth look into the world of elephants. I'm always fascinated by animals that have a higher intelligence, and I thought there's no need to let all that research go to waste. Oh, no, I'll share it. We're going to go on this journey together, and I dragged Emily and Bobby with me. They they were very nice about it. I didn't even ask. I'm just like, we're doing elephants! Yay! Regardless of whether or not they shared my enthusiasm for the subject matter, it only occurred to me later that I was being pretty bossy. So, you know, thank you for letting me be bossy. I apologize later. I was like, we don't have to do elephants, but I still kind of want to do elephants. Can we do elephants? Please, please, please. Can it be elephants? Can it? Can it? Can it? They said it could. So, And I've been trying to tempt Bobby with all sorts of elephant things. Like, hey, Bobby, war elephants. Hey, Bobby, elephant folklore. Hey, Bobby. So we'll see what he comes up with. Probably nothing that I have mentioned, because I think once I've mentioned it, like that kind of takes the fun out of it. It's his own journey. He has to make his story discovery on his own. I'm the same way. Uh, So first off, we're going to start with a song. Uh, I think it is a folk song, but that's not the version I picked. It is a song by Toy Dolls. It's a punk rendition of Nelly the Elephant. This part's a bit of an elephant overview. We're going to lay down some quick facts. Elephants are the largest living land animal. For some reason, I'm surprised by that, and I don't know why. Like, we'll think of something larger. I can't. Well, then, obviously. They are found most often in the regions of Africa and Asia. There are three different kinds of elephants. The African savanna or bush elephant. It's like the big one of them. And the African forest elephant. And then the Asian elephant. So how can you tell them apart? You know, like those people who say, that's not a camel, that's a dromedary. And you're like, they look the same. I aim to make you just as smug in your elephant knowledge here, so you can be like, it's not an African elephant, that's an Asian elephant. Doesn't everyone know this? Uh, so the big giveaway of what kind of elephant you're looking at, elephants use their ears to cool down. Since it's not as hot in Asia, the Asian elephants have smaller ears, like tiny little elephant ear cookie ears. 
They also have very lumpy kind of mega mind looking foreheads. African elephants have tusks like everybody does, male, female, everybody gets tusks. But only Asian male elephants have tusks and not even all of them do. Them's the breaks, I guess. Unless you're trying to avoid poachers, then it's kind of a good thing that you weren't born with them. Elephant fun fact. Just like people can be right or left-handed, elephants can be right or left tusked. You can tell on older elephants one tusk may be shorter, and that's because there's more wear and tear on it than the other. Asian elephants also have more toenails, but like at a glance, who's really stopping to count? You know, like, was that four or five toes I saw? I I tried to count. It's, it's hard. Also, Asian elephants have some speckled pinkish skin tones around their face and they only have one little trunk finger. African elephants have two little trunk fingers, but more on that later. Elephants are all about smashing the patriarchy. Uh, they live in small family groups led by elder females. Most males live in little bachelor herds, apart from the ladies. Elephants reach puberty or maturity early in their second decade of life. For African elephants, it's around 10 to 12 years old. Asian elephants, it's around age 14. And it's during this period that males leave their herd of origin. Females remain with their natal herd for their whole life. And despite living in two separate groups, they do fraternize. Adult male and female elephants form short-lived mating or feeding associations with one another. I feel like there's probably a lot of hot ele elephant gossip. They're like at the watering hole, like, so Florence, spill the tea, what's with the horse over there? Or something. All the elephants, like they have these glands, we have glands too, but they have like these glands. Males enter what's called a must period, M-U-S-T-H where testosterone is higher, then their behavior gets all erratic, and they're like uncontrollable, they're rampaging, they're like, I want a girlfriend, where's my girlfriend? I'm gonna go destroy everything in my path. Must is the Hindi word for intoxicated. It is a time for establishing reproductive hierarchy, which can differ from the usual social hierarchy in that a male in must outranks. Gestation is the longest of any mammal from 18 to 22 months. That's right. When they get pregnant, it's an almost two-year process. The newborn elephant weighs around 220 pounds, and it suckles using the mouth, not the trunk. In case you were wondering, I kind of did. Uh, weaning is also a very long process and sometimes continues until the mother can no longer tolerate the pokes of her offspring's emerging tusks. So I can see why the elephants decided, like, go forage for your own food, Junior. It's, it's time. Elephants can live up to 80 years of age or more in captivity, but live to only about 60 years old in the wild. We're going to take a break from these 
hard and fast coming elephant facts with this story from the ever lovely and effervescent Emily. Hi there, Emily here to regale you with a tale all the way from India. It's about how the elephant got its long trunk and it's called The Elephant's Nose. Many years ago, it is said that elephants had small trunks with stubbed noses. One year, it did not rain for many months. The ponds and lakes began to dry up and the streams had very little water. All the animals in the forest were very thirsty and desperately searching for a source of water. A river used to flow not very far away from the forest and an elephant decided to go there in search of water. Walking slowly, he reached the river. There lived a bright green crocodile in the river. As he saw the elephant, he cried, Go away! Water is already scarce here. If you start drinking, what will be left for me? The elephant knew it was a risk to pick a fight with the crocodile. So he decided to come back to the river when the crocodile would be sleeping. In the same river, there also lived a shiny green toad. Whenever the crocodile would be swimming across the river, the toad would hop onto his back and enjoy a ride. Over time, the crocodile was annoyed with giving free rides to the toad. Many times he had tried to shake the toad off his back, but in vain. Ha ha ha! The toad would laugh. One day, the crocodile was resting on a rock. Finding this to be a good opportunity, the elephant went to the river silently and began to drink water. Just then, the toad jumped onto the crocodile's back, disturbing his slumber. The crocodile was irritated. He began to swim around the river and shake his body violently. Now I shall get rid of you, he cried at the toad, but the toad was unmoved. Suddenly, the crocodile noticed the elephant. How dare you drink from my river when you were told not to, he cried. Unable to get rid of the toad, the crocodile decided to vent all his anger on the elephant. He caught the elephant's trunk and began to pull him into the river. The poor elephant started to pull back, crying, Let go of me, please. Let go of me. My nose hurts. But the crocodile showed no mercy. Then, with a mighty jerk, the elephant succeeded in freeing his trunk from the crocodile. But in tug-of-war, the elephant's nose had become really long. Angry, the elephant sucked all the water from the river. Then he sucked some mud and sprayed it on the crocodile and the toad. Since then, it is said, elephants have had long trunks and crocodiles and toads are not bright green anymore. we're back to some fun elephant facts. Uh, So I told you that I would talk about that whole elephant trunk situation. Yeah. So it weighs about 290 pounds, has like little bristles at regular intervals to kind of help pick up stuff. 
at the end of the trunk are the flap-like projections, which I was calling trunk fingers. They can like pick up a coin from a flat surface. So since the Asian elephants only have like their one little trunk finger, they, they use their trunk to grasp things. And since the other, the African elephants have like the two little two little fingers, they use a, more of a pinch method. So they say that Asian elephants are probably more dexterous and African elephants probably can like reach for longer distances to get things. And elephants do use tools. They can hold branches to like scratch themselves in places that they can't reach otherwise. They might like throw things as a threat Elephant fun fact! When they meet, they may touch the face of the other or intertwine trunks. It's like a trunk shake instead of a handshake. Um, and it may be associated kind of the same way, like an assurance or greeting or as a way of assessing strength. Like, you know, when two men are like shaking hands and they're like trying to squeeze, squeeze each other's hand to show who's stronger. Yeah, elephants do the same thing. Elephant fun fact! Most elephants breathe through their trunk rather than their mouth, which means that they can use it as a snorkel if they're underwater. That's pretty awesome. And how they drink, because I was like, are they like inhaling it through their, no, what are they doing? They drink by sucking up as much as two and a half gallons of water into their trunk and then squirting it into their mouth. And they also collect dust or grass to like throw that on themselves for protection against bug bites and the sun. And if they think there might be danger, they'll raise their little trunk up as if it was like a olfactory periscope to like scent for dangers on the wind. So I'm going to cover some of the sounds that elephants make and what they mean. So this is an elephant roaring. A roar may be used to intimidate or in response to aggression. High levels of distress or even happy excitement can produce a roar. The roar we just heard where this elephant sounded totally enraged, it was the first vocalization expressed during a joyful reunion. That was a happy elephant. Next up, the trumpet. This is the sound an elephant will emit when they are stimulated. It can be because they're excited, playful. It can also be when they're lost, angry, or surprised. You can kind of compare it to when humans raise their voices. Next we have the rumble. Most elephant sounds are actually rumbles. The low frequency can travel over long distances and are used for everyday communication. Some of these rumbles are at too low a frequency for the human ear to pick up. These low frequencies, um, if you're around an elephant doing it, they said you might get like a buzzy feeling kind of in your chest, but this travels the longest distance and is used for this reason they estimate it can be like two and a half mile distance. So they can communicate with an elephant quite far away. 
they also can pick up some of these vibrations in their feet <laughs> and sometimes they'll they'll stamp or like beat something with a with a, a stick to create this noise to communicate with somebody very far away they also will rumble when they're looking for love there's rumbles for greetings and to persuade the herd to do something if you hear many elephants rumbling at once they're having a conversation and making a decision or like making a greeting with each other they're conversing next up we have something that only the asian elephants do which is called chirps and squeaks So this chirp and squeak sound, they theorize it might be used to announce news, communicate needs, assemble a group, reassure, or lend support. There are other sounds that they make, but those are kind of the main ones. And it was interesting to me because a lot of things that I would take for sounds of aggression weren't sounds of aggression. It just from my human perspective, that's how I interpret it. Because if a human went at me, I would find that very frightening. You know, I wouldn't think they were happy to see me. So every day we learn something new, right? Unless you already knew that. Then it just reinforced to you that you have superior mental strength. And that's still not a bad thing. Either way, win-win. So in addition to this, they have this pharyngeal pouch. And people were like... All right, so we are all just hanging out and suddenly Bob is just drinking water. There's no water. Where is Bob getting water from? Pharyngeal pouch. Like, <laughs> they just like carry some extra water. They say it's to kind of keep things cool so like their brain doesn't get too hot. Um, but yeah, sometimes they'll just randomly be like, I could drink and they, there's water. They just have it. I bet camels wish they had a similar thing because I don't think they can really choose to access their their hump water. <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, <laughs> apparently it's water though that has a lot of elephant backwash. So you would not want to like be like, hey, care to share? No, but I think it's time for a song break. I do. Let's go with Eiffel 65 elephants in Amsterdam. Dancing with the elephants, I'm dancing with the elephants in Amsterdam. I'm dancing like the elephants in Amsterdam. I'm looking for the elephants in Amsterdam. So this is the story that I wanted to tell that made me want to do a theme based on elephants. This story is about Lawrence Anthony, an international conservationist, environmentalist, and explorer who resided in the Thula Thula Game Reserve in Zululand in South Africa. Back in 1999, he opened his gates to a herd of wild elephants. It wasn't his original plan for the reserve, but it seemed like the only way to save the elephants. If he didn't take them in, they would be killed by poachers. This herd had a reputation of not being easy to deal with. They'd been known for escaping their enclosures and by acting rogue, being a little bit of a disciplinary problem. 
It said the moment he met them for the first time, he sensed that they were actually really afraid of humans, and that's why they seemed so aggressive, because of fear and confusion. Their previous matriarch was killed, and they were doing whatever they could to save their pack. He eventually tried to communicate with the reigning matriarch named Nana with his tone and gestures. He would go up to the fence and beg Nana not to break it. Breaking the fence to escape would mean almost certainly her and the herd's death. And he knew she couldn't understand what he was saying. She could only really pick up on his body language and guess at his intent. But then one day she reached out and put her trunk through the fence towards him and he realized she wanted him to pet her and this kind of started their friendship. The elephants grew very fond of Lawrence as well as his family and sometimes they would even invite themselves into the house and would have to be chased out of the living room. But unfortunately in 2012 Anthony passed away very suddenly due to a heart attack. No one knows how it is possible but this herd of elephants traveled 12 hours from one corner of the game reserve to the other to come to the Anthony family home and they stood outside it. They stood there for nearly two days after which they dispersed again. It's like they just knew. The even more touching and just really fascinating part is that they continue every year to do this. Uh, they'll make the 12 hour journey every year on March 2nd to pay their respects to Lawrence. So like some of these elephants probably they never even like knew who he was in real life and who knew that they could count time and days and years so well that they know the exact day to come back on and that they know that they owe him in some way a remembrance that's amazing a lot of humans aren't even that dedicated it's such an insight into a different animal world and consciousness that we've only begin to really grasp and understand because we don't know. We don't know how they knew. We don't know why they continue to come back. There's a little magic still left in the world. We haven't discovered everything yet. The song I'm playing with the story is by Rachel Yamagata and it's called Elephants. If the elephants have past lives Yet are destined to always remember It's no wonder Hey, we've reached the halfway point, and you are listening to Dream Infringement. This is Jennifer, and I am talking about elephants because I can, and I wanted to, and I think they're really cool. I don't want things with elephants on them, but I just wanted to take a moment to appreciate them. The largest land mammal. So... Onward to another story by the amazing Emily. 
Hey there, Emily here, coming back at you with another story about elephants. This one is also from India, um, but this one is called a Jataka tale. And historically, the Jataka tales have been written in Sanskrit, and they are a set of stories about the life of Buddha in human and animal form. And all of the stories are of Buddha's previous lives, but in whichever form Buddha is depicted, he exhibits the same virtues. So they're kind of like tales of good morals. <laughs> so this story is called The White Elephant. Once upon a time, a huge herd of elephants lived at the foot of the Himalayan mountains in India. These elephants lived happily and peacefully. Their leader was a huge white elephant. His inner beauty and purity of his heart showed the color of his hide. One day, the white elephant decided to leave his herd. I have been their king for a long time now. Now I have grown tired of this. So he left with his family to live peacefully elsewhere. Now, this white elephant and his family were happy. The white elephant used to go out for swims regularly. One day, when the elephant was coming back after his swim, a thorn got stuck in his foot. The poor elephant cried and limped in pain. As he was limping back towards his home, he found some loggers on the way. These loggers had been coming to the forest regularly. They were also familiar with the elephant. When they saw the limping elephant, they helped him. After treating the elephant's wound, they happily smiled at him. Thank you, the elephant told them. I will always be indebted to you all. I will never forget the kindness you showed me today, and I will help you as my way of showing gratitude. So, from the next day, the elephant began to pull out the trees for the loggers. Because of the elephant, the loggers began to earn more. The white elephant helped the loggers and their sons and even their grandsons. When the elephant began to grow old, he brought his son. He told his son why the elephant was indebted to these loggers. You must always help them, the elephant told his son. The son nodded in agreement. Just like his father, the son helped the logger after the white elephant passed away. The son looked even more majestic than his father. One day, a traveler from a well-known city came to the forest. As soon as the traveler saw the elephant, he knew the elephant would make a good present for the king. You belong in a palace, the traveler told the elephant. But the elephant refused and said that he belonged to the forest and had his duty to help the loggers. Although the elephant had refused, the traveler was adamant about taking the elephant to the court so he brought many men and captured the elephant. The poor elephant tried to run, but stopped. If I keep running, I may hurt these people. After being captured, the traveler took the elephant to the king and received a great reward. When the loggers returned the next day, they were extremely sad as they had come to love the elephant and had no idea where he had gone. A huge feast was set on the occasion of the white elephant's arrival. But the elephant did not eat a thing. When the king saw that the elephant had not eaten since coming to the palace, 
the king called for professional trainers to see what was wrong with the elephant. It was hard to miss the grief in the elephant's eyes. After talking to the elephant, the trainers reported, My lord, the elephant is sad. The elephant wants to return to his home. There are responsibilities he has to fulfill. He refused all the treats we offered. It was clear that he wants to return home. The elephant wants to help only those who depend on him, they said. The king, surprised at the elephant's compassion, let the elephant return to his home. Since that day, the people understood that the white elephant, like all other things of nature, was not meant for just a single person. And the moral of this tale is that one should always respect others' feelings. Jennifer here. I'm going to go over three common myths about elephants. The first one, elephants are afraid of mice. Pliny the Elder even said it, perhaps as a tale of how even the largest creatures can have fears of things that may seem insignificant. Mythbusters attempted to crack this one back in 2012 and they thought it was plausible with no true conclusion being reached. However, we do know that elephants are afraid of bees. Scientists have been trying to take advantage of this fear uh, to s help stop elephants from being killed by putting fake beehives and real ones in the fields of farmers where they often get shot and killed. Not the bees, but the elephants. When they put the beehives out there, it kept a staggering 80% of the elephants off the farmland and out of danger. So elephants may not directly fear mice, but they are afraid of bees. So get rid of one myth and create a new one. Uh, the next, the elephants never forget. You've heard the saying, have a memory like an elephant. Several sources have seemed to say that elephants, while they may not remember everything, do have great memories, especially socially. They've been observed to remember the scent of up to 30 different elephants in their herd and being able to recognize each other after more than 20 years. They're very social creatures and they rely on their memory to help them. And the third is that there is a mythical elephant graveyard, like a particular place where elephants will go to die. And that is a myth. There is no one spot. However, they have found that elephants are known to bury their dead under foliage and will often stay with the body apparently in mourning up to days. And they show a very strong interest in, if they find elephant bones, even unrelated elephants that they didn't know, they're often seen sort of gently investigating. Um, and sometimes elephants that are completely unrelated to the deceased will still go and visit their graves. 
It's time for a song break. This is Beirut with the song Elephant Gun. Um, this is a pro elephant hour. The elephant gun is symbolic, not really shooting elephants in this song. Just so we're all on the same page here. If I was young, I'd flee this town. I buried my dreams underground. As did I, we drink to die, we drink to So we have a story from the ever amazing and astounding Bobby about war elephants. Like I recommended. Not at all. It is nothing about war elephants whatsoever. I called that one, though. At the beginning of the show, before I knew this, <laughs> I called this one. No, he's going to go into the uh, some elephant pop culture. So let's listen in. Bobby here. I gotta admit, when Jennifer first pitched the idea to cover elephants for a theme, I was a little bit perplexed. But... When I got to thinking about elephants, I realized, I mean, what's not to like? They travel in a pack. They never forget. They like peanuts. I like peanuts. I mean, who doesn't like peanuts? They can do things with their nose that most animals who have noses could only dream of doing. And here's my next hot take. Pop culture is obsessed with pachyderms. I mean it. If you look it up on the internet, you'll see in the farthest corners of pop culture, there's always an elephant. It all leads back to elephants. And the way that they depict elephants, they're always these very endearing creatures. And don't get me wrong, I mean, I like elephants as much as the next guy. I don't hate them. But humans want to believe that elephants are much more than they really are. Pop culture elephants. You have Horton. He's one of the Dr. Seuss characters. He hears this tiny uh, creature called a who, which is not too much different than a human. It just has a turned up nose. Um, and Horton risks his life trying to protect this little who world, right? We've all seen the movie or read the book. Horton is a good guy. He's endearing. He, he's, he's who we all strive to be. Then you have Babar. Babar and the rest of his elephant family. I mean, they're like these royal African elephants. And they're the kind of elephants that the rest of the jungle creatures in the world of Babar, they strive to be like. They're like ideal. Then, of course, you have Dumbo. Dumbo was born with big ears and everyone made fun of him. And he showed the world that he was much more than an elephant with big ears, and he made everybody believe in magic once again, or something like that. I'm not really sure what the, what the moral of Dumbo is. Maybe don't make fun of people who look different than you, uh, because one day they'll be really successful, and then you'll look like a fool. Something like that. But no, not today. We will not talk about endearing elephants. We will not talk about elephants that save the day. We will not talk about elephants that are made fun of and then rise like a phoenix from the ashes with a trunk. I'm going to talk about an elephant that was a jerk. An elephant that made an impression in my boyhood memory. So much so that till this day, I fear elephants. I respect them, but I fear them. And I don't trust them as far as I can throw them, which isn't very far. I'm talking about Stampy. 
Stampy first appeared in the fifth season of American animated television series, The Simpsons. In that episode, Bart wins a radio contest and is awarded a full-grown African elephant, and he names this elephant Stampy. After Stampy wrecks the Simpsons' house and eats all the food, Homer decides to sell Stampy to an ivory dealer. But Bart, he runs away with Stampy to save his pet, and the family finds the two at a museum exhibit, where Homer sinks into a tar pit. Homer is then saved by Stampy and so gives the elephant away to an animal refuge instead. Now, let's let's peel back the layers of this episode. First of all, I love that it starts with a radio contest. I mean, what's not to love about radio? You're listening to the radio, and it just perfectly depicts those shock jocks from the early 90s. There's like they're they got all the sound effects and the personalities and the voices. It's it's fantastic. They're so annoying in all of the best ways. And also, they expect Bart to choose the money over the elephant. The elephant as a contest um, prize is absurd as far as what people would choose. Of course, people are going to choose the money. But Bart, being a nine-year-old, insists on the elephant. So here's what happens when Bart doesn't take no for an answer. We think we know how your mind works, Bart. So how about this? We pay your principal $10,000 to pull down his pants and keep him down for the rest of the school year. <laughs> I'll do it, Bart. Um, no. Okay, okay. What if we use the 10000 to uh, surgically transform Skinner here into uh, some kind of a lobster-like creature? Well, no, wait just a minute. That wasn't discussed with me. Uh, gentlemen, I am not leaving without my elephant. Hey! Where's my elephant? Where's my elephant? So there you have it. Much to the DJ's chagrin, Bart refuses to accept the money. He wants the elephant. And the amazing thing about this episode is it was written with the intent to depict the elephant as a real jerk. And he is a jerk. I mean, he's an elephant. He's a wild animal. So when Stampy's food costs start to become too expensive, Homer decides to start an exhibit and charges customers to pet and ride Stampy. And it fails ultimately to cover the food budget for a full-grown African elephant. Uh, But what's really funny is when the kids try to ride Stampy on the back, they try to get on his back, he he grabs the the kids and he puts them in his mouth, um, you know, because he's an animal. So at the end of the episode, when Homer ultimately realizes that selling Stampy to an ivory dealer would be unethical and not very caring for animal kind, um, he decides to uh, give him to a wildlife reserve. And when Bart says goodbye to Stampy, uh, who is a bully to the other elephants, <laughs> that's something that they show. Uh, the head of the reserve explains to Marge and Lisa that sometimes animals like humans are just big jerks. And this isn't just like a cartoon that made me laugh and made the audience laugh. Oh, a funny elephant. Wow, that's hilarious. It's more than that, my friends. 
This episode won an environmental media award in the best television episodic comedy category. It's been awarded every year since 1991 to the best television episode with an environmental message. This episode also received a Genesis Award in the Best Television Comedy Series category, and the Genesis Award is given out annually by the Humane Society of the United States. Uh, It's to the news and the entertainment media for shining a spotlight into the darkest corners of animal abuse and exploitation. So this particular episode had a message. It had a message that you should not try to make a wild animal a part of your family because ultimately the wild animal is going to do what wild animals do, which is when you try to ride them on their back, they're going to put you in their mouth or something like that. So err on the side of caution and don't adopt that wild animal. So in the end, this elephant didn't teach us that we just have to be ourselves and ultimately we will succeed in life. This animal didn't teach us that with patience and perseverance, you will reach your goal. This animal didn't teach us that protecting those who are lesser will give you satisfaction and contentment. No listeners, Stampy taught us that we should not go adopting wild animals, that wild animals belong in the wild. Oh, what's that, Stampy? (coughs) Sounds like Stampy agrees. Well, we learn something new every day that I just managed to stumble onto the one animal that Bobby's kind of afraid of and then forced him to talk about it. How nice of me. I didn't even know. Oh, goodness. All right. Well, we are going to play you out with a song. A song it shall be. Running out of elephant songs, though. Hmm. Going to do a little Rains in Africa cover by Weezer. Sorry, Asian elephants. They only had the Rains in the Africa song and not the Rains in the Asia Africa song. So I'm only representing one branch of the species, but here we go. Thank you so very much for listening to the show. We really appreciate everyone who listens. And Miriam, we're talking to you, sending out some love with these airwaves. Anyhow, we will be back next week. Mondays, 6 to 7 p.m. If you want to know more about us, see pictures of us, uh, or listen to past episodes, you can do all that. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. You can find past shows through basically any app that gets podcasts, um, including iTunes and SoundCloud. Just type in Dream Infringement, and there we are. Anyway, we hope you will join us again next week. Bye. I seek to cure what's deep inside.